Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome today to Southside Church. My name's Jeff Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and I just want to welcome you. I want to say thank you for joining us on this day, and as we open up the Bible and talk about going all in, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, he said, we loved you so much that uh, we didn't just give you our uh, God's good news, we gave you our own life as well because you had become so dear to us. And um, I, I love that verse. That verse is so special to me because I think it just epitomizes the pastoral ministry and the shepherd's heart. If we don't want to just give you the Bible. We want to give you our life and share real life with you, real encounters, so that you can see what the real Jesus does in a real person because we want to help you become a real follower of Jesus Christ. And, and, and with that, I want to invite you to come help us make it real easy to go to heaven from right here in Northeast Georgia. So if you live in the Northeast Georgia region, come be a part of what God is doing here at one of our two locations, at Redstone Campus, the Commerce Campus, 915, 11 on Sunday, 630 on Wednesday night. Love for you to come and join us. Come be a part of it with us and go all in. Because if you want to go all in, you got to be be willing to go all out. And, uh, and so today, that's what we're talking about. We're looking at it through the lens of a message, a sermon that Jesus spoke. It's in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. They, they titled the sermon, The Sermon on the Mount. Because Jesus went up on a hillside, he sat down, and his followers, disciples, we know that there were 12, but I believe there were many more that day gathered around. They, They stood around and they listened to him speak a message. That if you were to sit down and read these three chapters from Matthew, it would probably take you somewhere in the time frame of about 18 minutes. Did Jesus just speak for 18 minutes? I don't know. That would be amazing. The Son of God can do that. I don't know that I can, but he could say a lot in that amount of time. But if you were to read it, it'd take you about 18 minutes to read these three chapters. And so the 18 minutes from the, the, the words of Jesus can not just free you of your past, not just set you up for your future, but can also help you today in the present. And so I believe when you read these words, Jesus is saying to us, he wants us to go all in. And so as the church looks at this statement and looks at that, that, the meaning behind it, it leads me to this question, how can we, and we as followers of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're just seeking that out, wondering, hey, is this thing for me or for not? Stay with us. Stay engaged, read the words of Jesus, ask him to speak to your heart, touch your heart, open your heart to the truth and, 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 and see what he does with that in your life. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I believe God lives in you so that he can transform you and then use you in a way in this world that helps others come to know him. So how can we, as followers of Jesus Christ, impact our world today? Because a real and growing faith is able to take questions like, why me? Why is this happening to me? And I believe God can use that, speak into that, to to change the question from why me to why not me? Why Why couldn't God use somebody like me? A real and growing faith is able to turn the question of why here to why not here? 
Look, we live in a small community. We live in, in small towns in rural America. I mean, that's where we are in Northeast Georgia. The largest, really, city we would say closest to us is Athens, Georgia. There's Gainesville not too far from us, but as far as a metropolitan city is Atlanta. It's an hour away. And so when we look at that, a small community, a small town, will see things that are generally associated with a city. Crime, corruption, uh, just, 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 I mean, difficulty. I mean, just different things in life that you would kind of expect maybe in a big city. When it comes here, people will, you'll hear people have conversations like, why is this happening here? Why, why, why is that taking place here? Why are we having to go through this here? Because we don't associate some of those things with this part of the country in which we live. But I think when we have a faith that is real and growing, God is working in our life and in our situations, I believe he can take those questions that say, why here? And infuse them with grace and hope and action and turn them to us saying, why not here? Why, if, I mean, if those things are coming and people are saying, why here? Then I would say, why can't God do something here? Why can't God use us here? If the enemy wants to come into this region and, and work and move, okay, great, that's, that happens here, but why can't God do something here? Why can't the church do something here? Why can't people rise up and believe in God's word and his truth and his love and his grace and his action and do something about it here? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. That's what you are, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty again? It can't. He's looking at the people gathered around that day that would be called in our language and verbiage disciples, followers, and he said, you are the salt of the earth. It speaks of their character. It speaks of their integrity. It speaks of their internal, of what God is wanting to do on the inside of them. He said, but if it loses its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. But then he goes from salt to light, and now he says, you are the light of the world. It's a city on a hill, situated on a hill that cannot be hidden. He also says that you are, that no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, lamp stand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. He's speaking, first of all, corporately to all of them gathered. And, and translated today, it would be spoken to the corporately of the body of Christ, the church. They understood the reference, a city on a hill that could not be hidden. Because Jerusalem was their city. In, in that day and time in Israel, first century Israel, that was Jerusalem was it. It was the city. Everything else was small villages and areas that, that people gathered in and made their homes in. But at night, as the city of Jerusalem came alive with their lamps and their lights, the light from the hillside overreaching those areas would kind of transcend, it would just light up the area. And so as Jesus is speaking to them, he says, you are the light of the world. The next verse, he goes from corporately to individually, talking about the inside of a house. Nobody's going to light a lamp and put it under a basket. He says, in the same way, he says, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. When I read these statements and I see this, I, I think, you know, I think 
maybe we've missed it a little bit today, or maybe we've missed it a lot because of being comfortable, because of being complacent, because of being corrupted by the society and the world around us. It's very easy for a a body of believers, a church or the church to turn inward instead of outward. When Jesus looked at these people and he told them, you are the light of the world, it it was an insult to the religious leaders of his day. Because the, the, the teachers, the religious teachers of their day, they would be called rabbis. But the upper echelon of the rabbis, the greatest of those teachers, they would refer, the religious sect would refer to them as you, rabbi, are the light of the world. Your words, your, your uh, explanation of God's word, it is bringing light into our lives, therefore you are the light of the world. But now Jesus, standing on this hillside, looking out at what they would determine would term the people as peasants, fishermen, not just men, but women and children, second-class citizens, common, ordinary, everyday people. And so now Jesus is taking a term that they would use for the upper echelon of religious society and now relating it to everybody. And so it made them angry. And, and, and here, when you go back and you look at passages like John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. He said, I am the light of the world. He references that when it comes to God. And, and, and when, as, as, as the Old Testament term of God, the name of God, I am, Jesus is now relating that to himself. He said, I am the light of the world. And then he says, anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12 is such a great verse that ties in with the passage in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. You're like a city that is set up on a hill. Jesus said, that comes because I am the light of the world and I want to infuse your life with light so that then it shines bright for everyone to see. He says, anyone that follows me, they won't ever walk in darkness, but instead they get to have the light of life. The lesson and message that we learned from this is that the light in you is more powerful than the darkness around you. I just don't think a lot of people experience it. A lot of people don't witness it. A lot of people don't go through it. They don't see it in their life because they never take the time to develop their faith. They never take the time to work out their faith. They never allow God the opportunity to move and work within them. And so today, this message, I would call it, Why Here?, because we could say that about this place, about another church, about why here, why, why this? Why do this here? Why, is, why are bad things happening to good people here? Why, why, why this, why that here? To turn it around and say, but why not here? Why not God doing something significant here? Because he'll, if he'd do it in first century Israel, he'll do it today. And the light in you is more powerful than the darkness around you. So what does it mean today for believers to be the 
light of the world. What does it mean today for believers to be the light of the world? Three things. Three things today to speak, maybe just something into your life that would encourage you, shape you, help you, move you to have a voice that is used for God, to, to, to have a life that, that is ready to, to show up and, and let God work through them, a, a faith that allows you to stand in a world that really just falls for anything. What does it mean for you and I to be a true believer and to be the light of the world? Number one, I would tell you this. It means to declare truth. To declare truth. John chapter 3. You might know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. A lot of people know John 3, 16. Do you know John 3, 17, 18, and 19? Because a lot of people don't. But Jesus, speaking to a man that night called Nicodemus, he said, he said this. He said, but people, people in John 3, 6, 17, he says, people love darkness more than they love light. He said, they, they love living in the darkness. They turn away from the light. Their deeds are dark. They love those things, and they begin to just grow inside of them, and it pushes people further and further away from the light. We live in a world that is, that is void of absolute truth. We live in a world today where people want to have anything they want to do, anything goes to live however they want to live and do whatever feels good to them. The problem with that is it doesn't work. Our society, the things that we live, do, uh, touch, work with, how we operate life every day, life is full of absolutes. Life does not, is not full of relative truth where anything goes, you do whatever feels good, make up your own rules, whatever happens, happens. No, life is full of absolute truths. The same thing is true for all people at all places and all times. I'm gonna, tra- I'm gonna crank my vehicle the same way that you would if you got in it. I, I'm, I'm gonna turn, I, I mean, the way I, I, I live in my house, they're full of absolutes, the way you live in yours, the way we go to work, the way we dress, the way we live, the way we eat, the way we pay. There's absolutes everywhere. But yet we're li- we live in a world that is void of truth. As the light of the world, Jesus said we're to be people who declare truth. First Peter chapter three Peter said, but honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. He says, however, do this with gentleness and respect. He says, keeping your conscience clear so that when you are accused, those who denounce your Christian life will be put to shame. As Peter is writing this at the end of his life, here in Matthew 5, he's at the beginning of his journey with Jesus. In 1 Peter, at the end of the New Testament, he's at the end of his journey. There's been decades in between, and now Peter is saying, honor the Messiah as Lord in your heart. Be ready. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you, not, not, to, not just to defend truth, but he says, for a reason for the hope that is in you. 
You have a story. You have a testimony. That story and that testimony matters to God because it's yours. He gave it to you. It's your life. We, he's placed us here for some reason. You know, I don't know that I would do real well in, 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 uh, in, in the desert or in the Arctic or, you know, in places like that. For whatever reason, God let the lines fall in pleasant ways for me in Northeast Georgia. I love it. I'm thankful for it. But it still is an opportunity for us to use what God has done inside of us, for us and in us, to touch people around us. He said, be ready. Be ready to declare truth. And a lot of times we see this as a way that we do it hatefully or arrogantly or pridefully. But that's not what I get. He said, give a reason for the hope that is in you. He said, but do this with gentleness and respect. While you're doing it, keep your conscience clear so that when you are accused, those who denounce your Christian life will be put to shame. Kind of the statement that you see here is Peter saying, man, I want, I want other people to have what I have. God doesn't put his light into our hearts to stay hidden. You're the light of the world. You're a city that is situated on a hill and it can't be hidden. Therefore, speak up. Speak up. Everybody's got a story to tell. I don't know your story, but you do. If, you have a, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a testimony. I don't know what that testimony is, but you do. I, I mean, I can share my testimony, my story with you. You may not like it. You may not agree with it, but it's not your story. It's mine. I'm the only one who can truly articulate what Jesus has done for me. You might know the Bible better than me. You might know culture and society and the world better than me. You might be able to debate and outreason me, but one thing you can't take from me is what God has done in me. That's my story. That's my story. And, and some people may call it their truth. Well, I, I get it. I, I'm gonna live by God's truth, but I've got my story in that truth where God has worked in that and he's moved in that and I, I, I'm just gonna share it. And so I've gotta be willing to give a reason for the hope that lies within me with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience before God and man. So I gotta be willing to speak up. How do we get to make an impact in this world as a believer? Speak up. Declare the truth. Number two, make God visible. Everybody can do this. We can all make God visible. In some way, shape, form, or fashion, we can make God visible with our life. In Romans 13, Paul writes this. He says, beside this, knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from your sleep. Paul says, wake up. Wake up. It's time to get up. It's time to come alive. He said, we've got to get up and get moving. Don't just speak up. He said, you got to wake up from this sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I became a follower of Christ in 1984. I was 12 years old. My salvation and going to heaven is much closer now than it was then. And so the hour, the time for my salvation is nearer than when I first believed. He goes on and he says, the night is nearly over. The daylight is near. What he's talking about here is the night of the darkness of sin in this world. The daylight approaching is, is, is when your faith becomes sight in heaven. 
So let us discard the deeds of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. In Ephesians 6, Paul talks about that. He talks about standing firm. He talks about dressing yourself in the armor of God. It's all covered in the front. There is no back. There's no retreat. You're to move forward. And so Paul said, put aside the, the, the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Dress yourself in the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And because of that, when you invite me into your life, you are the light of the world because I live inside of you. Where Jesus is the Son of God. The reference would kind of be the same as the sun and the moon. Everything revolves around the sun. The sun gives light, it gives heat, it gives all kinds of benefits, not just to earth, but everywhere in our universe. The moon? What benefit does the moon have? None. All the moon does when you see it is a reflection of the sun. But yet when you talk to married couples, dating couples, people that, that enjoy sitting by the moonlight, there's romance, there's peace, there's joy, there's beauty, there's all kinds of things that you can find associated with moonlight. But all moonlight is, is a reflection of the sunlight. When we put on the armor of light, we are reflecting Jesus to a dark and dying world. Peter says, or Paul says, let us walk with decency. Like we're walking in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy. He says, but instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desire. He said, it's time to wake up. If we're gonna, if, if we're gonna be light in a dark world, how do we do that? You gotta declare truth. Be willing to speak up. Got to make God visible, reflect the sun to a lost world. How do I do that? Well, man, you got to be willing to show up. Not just speak up, I got to show up. Show up and, and be ready to take what he says here, what he's done here, and let it come out into here. And finally, those, those two things lead to this, where I take what God has done in me and I, I declare truth with my life. I speak up. Or I begin to make life visible or God visible and I show up. And I, I do that by being a blessing to others and help give them direction and meaning and hope in life. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he said, for God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness. He said, God didn't do that. Instead, he gave us one of power, love, and of sound judgment. Never really saw this before. I, I've kind of, I love this verse. I talk about it a lot. I've, I've, I've used it a lot in my own life, in my own walk with Jesus. And I understand fear. I understand fearfulness. I understand the concept of that. But, but here's, here's a word that I missed for a long time. God did not give us a spirit 
a spirit of fearfulness. The Bible tells us that you and I deal with a spiritual world. We don't, our fight really is not with flesh and blood, okay? In traffic, it's not the guy driving the car next to you or the person that's the little old lady from Pasadena in front of you that won't get out of the way that causes frustration or the person that pulls out in front of you and turns like 10 feet later. I mean, all of those things frustrate us. I get it. Whatever your vice is. But, but, but we wrestle with things we can't see. It's a spiritual world. And a spiritual world brings things into our life that shouldn't be there. God didn't give you a spirit of fearfulness. It's a spirit. It's a, it's a demonic spirit that's opposed to anything godly. Instead, this is the kind of spirit that God wants to put inside of you. One of power. A spirit of power. A spirit of love. A spirit of sound judgment and discipline and a sound mind. He's talking about the Holy Spirit of God that he wants to give you, put inside of your life, give you a way to be a blessing to others around you. Paul's writing to a young guy named Timothy who's ready to quit. He's ready to drop out of the ministry. He's ready to give up. And so Paul's writing him saying, don't quit. Don't give up, Timothy. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. He says, so don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord Jesus or of me, his prisoner. He said, instead, come join with me. Come share with me in suffering for the gospel's sake, relying on the power of God. He said, instead of giving up, get in. Instead of giving up, show up. Instead of giving out or getting out, stand up. He said, come join with me in suffering for the gospel's sake because Jesus has saved us. He's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works because that's not what we do, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. How do you and I become light, make an impact in this world, be the light of the world for Jesus, declare truth? You gotta speak up. Make God visible. You gotta show up. Be a blessing to others. You got to stand up. Why? Because Jesus didn't call us to build an institution. He called us to lead a revolution. In John chapter 8, verse 12, when Jesus talks about it, he says, I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. He's referencing something that goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Thousands of years earlier. In the book of Exodus, to be exact, Exodus chapter 14, when God led the Israelites out of Egypt, where they had been held in slavery and bondage for 400 years, it's nearly 2 million people. God uses a man named Moses to lead them out. He's leading them to modern-day Israel, but what he called the promised land. The Bible says that when he led them out, he did not lead them straight to the promised land because that would have led them through the land of the Philistine. And the Philistines were very powerful, not as powerful as the Egyptians, but God said, if I put them there, they'll turn around and go back. So instead, Exodus 14 says, he led them through the desert uh, along the path of the Red Sea. And along this way, God began to lead them. He didn't just use Moses. This is how God led them. By day, he put a cloud in front of them. And they would follow the cloud. 
when the sun went down and the darkness took over, which all darkness is, is an absence of light. He lit the way or led the way with a pillar of fire at night up in the sky. I, I, unbelievable to think about that and that it would be such a visual thing, but God was so visual in the Old Testament. And as he was leading the way with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, he moved on the Egyptians and Pharaoh to assemble their army and chase after the Israelites. And so they find themselves in the middle of, a, uh, of an army and an ocean with the largest, most powerful army and, the angry, and an angry army coming after them and a massive ocean standing in front of them. They looked at their leader, Moses, and this is what they said. Why did you bring us here? To die at the hands of the Egyptians. We would have rather stayed there. Why here? And it's in that moment that God told Moses what to tell the people. He had to speak up. And in speaking up, he had to trust God to show up. And when God showed up, he made the ocean stand up. Moses looked at the people and he said, watch and see the salvation of the Lord. And during that time, God took the cloud and the fire and shifted it from in front of them to behind them to protect them from the Egyptians. And all night long, as the fire lit the way, Moses held his arms up over the ocean and God parted the ocean. And two million people walked across on dry land. An Egyptian army followed after them and they got stuck in the middle of that land and the ocean closed over them and swallowed them up. So I wonder if the land was really all that dry. <laughs> they were probably having to walk through some muddy parts. It was an ocean the day before. I don't know that God dried up the land entirely in front of them. Now think about this thing called Christianity and this thing called church and it's not always easy and it's a lot of times difficult. Sometimes you gotta be willing to get your feet dirty. See, if you wanna see God make a move in your life, sometimes you have to trust the light and you gotta take steps to see the miracle. I brought my boots Today, these are my work boots, my hunting boots, my, my mud kicking boots. If I'm going to be outside in the elements, I put on these boots. They're caked with grass because it's in the summer, but as hunting season opens up and we begin to move through the woods, it'll change from grass to mud. Why? Because this is what I wear when I'm going in the mud. I'm not going to wear the 
wingtips that I've got on today, the dress shoes, I'm gonna wear those. And I know I'm gonna put those on because I'm prepared for my feet to get muddy. But Israel would have never experienced the why not moments of God if they had turned around and went back. They had to be willing to step into the mud in order to experience the miracle. Life's not easy, life's not fair, and a lot of times it's very hard. So is church, so is faith. But if you want to see God go to work and do miraculous things in your life, the why not here moments, you can't be afraid to get your feet dirty. And so my challenge today is get your feet dirty. Ask Jesus into your heart. Take a step and declare truth. Share your story. Speak up. In some way, do something good. Show God, make God visible to someone else. Show up. Be a blessing to others in some way and let that be a place where you stand up. And you see God do something miraculous, not just in you, but through you. And you fulfill the call that Jesus gave to go be the light of the world. Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you for these people that have taken time to watch, maybe to listen, maybe even to take something and learn it and apply it to their life. I pray that this week they would get their feet dirty. They would open up the Bible. They would talk to you. They would do something good to be a blessing for others. And they would do it again and again and again until they see mighty miracles and moves of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. God bless you. I hope to see you again soon. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.